hey, now we got ourselves a series. For the first time since 2018, the New Jersey Devils were able to win a playoff game. Now, even though they still trail the Rangers two games to one, they have a better chance of possibly overcoming this deficit because had they gone three nothing, basically the series is over. We have a lot to break down in today's episode of Locked on Devils. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Elias scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, Devils Ryan for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential media member, Trey Matthews. I know I'm a couple days late. I know I'm a couple dollars short. However, I have to share my post-game thoughts on the New Jersey Devils' first playoff victory since 2018. So in this episode, we're going to break it down into three parts. I'm going to talk about some key players who stepped up to the plate for New Jersey Devils in the victory. Then I'll talk about the, the game in general and especially elaborate on the New Jersey Devils five-on-five because prior to Dougie Hamilton's game winner in overtime, the New Jersey Devils were kind of struggling to get anything going on even strength, and P.K. Subban was able to elaborate on it during the course of the telecast. Then in the third and final segment, I'll talk about how the mental approach has to be for Devils moving forward in this series, and like I do with every post-game recap, I'll compare the stats and give the Devils a letter grade. So, One of the key players I want to talk about is Curtis Lazar. So I guess bullying does work because Lindy Ruff finally went through with it. He scratched Miles Wood in favor of Curtis Lazar. Now, it's something that I've been talking about the last couple episodes when I've been speaking to like Alex Chavancy, Jersey Joe, or Dan Rice. I said that Curtis Lazar deserves to have a crack at the lineup because I felt as though he can do everything that Miles Wood is supposed to do, but do it way more efficiently. So the thing about Curtis Lazar is that he's not going to impress you on the offensive side of things, but that's not his job. So look, I know I go to the stat a lot. I know some of you are probably tired of me talking about it, but when the Devils acquired Curtis Lazar at the trade deadline, he had a 51.9% face-off win percentage, which ranked second on the Canucks, and he was third in hits with 124, and his hit total and block shots was 49 which was second amongst Canucks forwards. So what more do you need? So I think the reason why Curtis Lazar was scratched a lot more often was just because obviously he was injured for an extended period of time. He joined the team late. He had some trouble with his visa. Also, his wife went into labor at the time of the trade deadline. So uh, he wasn't able to suit up in enough games to build that overall chemistry. But during the course of the playoffs, we've seen Miles Wood make careless mistake especially in the offensive end that results in the New Jersey Devils going into the penalty kill. And as a result, the devil killer, which is Chris Kreider, who also scored in the previous game, this time not on the power play, but digressing a little bit, it resulted in Chris Kreider scoring on the power play. So it's just like when you make those mistakes two games in a row, you have to be scratched. Now, I'm sure it was a tough decision for Lindy Ruff to scratch Miles Wood because Miles Wood is one of the longest tenured players on the roster for the Devils, not to mention that with the exception of being injured a couple times during the course of the year, Miles Wood has never been a healthy scratch. So I'm sure Lindy Ruff was just pondering, saying, do I go through with this? Will this come back to bite me? But I'm just like, with Curtis Lazar, you have to go through it. So 
According to Christy Flannery of Now the Hockey News, which, by the way, congratulations to Christy Flannery. I'm trying to get her to appear on this show once again. That's in the works. But congratulations to Christy on her new gig. Uh, Christy Flannery said the New Jersey Devils, Curtis Lazar, played nine minutes and 48 seconds tonight against the Rangers. He spent three minutes killing penalties and had four hits, the most among fours and one block shot. So when Christy said the most amongst fours, I thought Timo Meyer had more hits because it looked like Timo Meyer was hitting people left and right. But apparently he finished the game with officially in the scorebook, too. So that was a little surprising, but digressing a little bit. Curtis Lazar did his job. He did what needed to be done, which is he's not going to play that many minutes. But like I said, he's playing efficiently. And I think that's what the New Jersey Devils need to lean on going forward. So if Lindy Ruff knows what's best for him, keep Curtis Lazar in the lineup and keep Miles Wood a healthy scratch. Now, I'm not saying it was perfect because obviously you had someone like Michael McLeod. He got an offensive end penalty early on in the game that put the Rangers on the man advantage. But still it didn't come back to bite the Devils. And I think that's what you have to look towards, especially what Miles Wood did in game one and game two. So you make the same mistake twice during the course of the playoffs, you can't be playing with fire because in the playoffs, you only have four lives. And the Devils have already used up two of their lives. So they really needed this win. This was a must-win game for the Devils. It was a bit of a gamble for Lindy Ruff. And I'm sure uh, a lot goes into whether or not uh, a player should be dressed, scratched, whatever the case might be. But this was the right decision from Lindy Ruff to let Curtis Lazar play and showcase what he can do. And like Christie said, he did his job and he did it efficiently. So talking about another player who came up big for New Jersey Devils, Akira Schmidt. So obviously Vitek Vancheck was a starter in game one and game two. And Vitek Vancheck has been our guy throughout the course of the year. He became the first Devils goalie since Martin Brodeur to get 30 wins during the regular season. And the goals that were let up during the course of game one and game two, not all of it was on Vitek Vanacek, but still it might have gotten to his head just a little bit. So Lindy Ruff, once again, has to take the gamble, which is you put in Akira Schmidt because let's face it, I don't think Mackenzie Blackwood would have been any help because Mackenzie Blackwood he tends to let up a couple goals early on in the game. Then he sells in nicely. But against the New York Rangers, when you're going up against uh, Shesterkin, they're not going to give you much uh, room to work with. So you can't take that risk. So Akira Schmidt seemed like the no-duh answer to put in between the pipes. Lindy Ruff was lingering with telling the media the news, but everyone knew it was the worst-kept secret in New Jersey. Akira Schmidt starts this game for New Jersey Devils, and he showed out. He played phenomenal during the course of the game. But before we talk about that, I've had the chance to speak with Akira Schmidt a couple times. He's a really nice guy. And he admits to me that he gets a little nervous because one time Akira Schmidt had to be thrust into the starting role at the very last minute. So he told me post-game after the New Jersey Devils lost that game, I forget who they were playing, but still, the story doesn't change. Akira Schmidt admitted to me that he was a little nervous but started to settle in as the game progressed. And that's what I was a little worried about for Akira Schmidt, which is he is the first Devils goalie rookie since Martin Brodeur in 1994 to start a playoff game when Brodeur started in what, like 17 games during that year. So he's doing something that hasn't been done in over 20 years or close to 30 years. So Akira Schmidt just coming up big for New Jersey Devils during the course of the playoff game, because like I just said moments ago, this was essentially a must-win game for a New Jersey Devil. So I'm nervous for Akira Schmidt. The pressure is on. And it, it was one of the things that I was just pondering about as to whether or not Akira Schmidt 
might get an appearance during the course of the playoffs because I was just like, is he ready for the playoffs? Is he ready for prime time? It's one of the reasons why I wasn't really big on the New Jersey Devils putting in Luke Hughes because I'm like, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on our young guys. But in this case, desperate times call for desperate measures. So you put Akira Schmidt in between the pipes. And like I said, he showed out for the New Jersey Devils. And I couldn't be any more proud of him. So was he nervous in this game? Well, according to Amanda Stein, Akira Schmidt was asked if he was nervous. And he responded by saying, yeah, very. And he does his uh, little laugh. I just try not to show it. So, well, Akira Schmidt, you saw 36 shots and you were able to save 35 of them. And once again, it just seemed like he got better as the game progressed. Because in overtime, he was making a lot of great A saves for the New Jersey Devils and his development during the course of the year, it, it never fails to impress me. So Akira Schmidt definitely deserves a lot of credit. And quite honestly, if the New Jersey Devils are able to come back in this series and win it, we're going to be looking at game three as the turning point, And Akira Schmidt is going to be that X factor that we turn to as well. So Akira Schmidt, he is one of the reasons why the New Jersey Devils are back in this series and now have given themselves a legitimate chance. And now, Moving on to my next key player, and that was the, the hero in Dougie Hamilton scoring in overtime. So Dougie Hamilton continues to rack up the offensive numbers on the defensive side of things for New Jersey Devils. And I tweeted this out. I said Dougie Hamilton is well on pace to go down as the greatest offensive defenseman in New Jersey Devils history. So I know we talked about Scott Niedermeyer uh, being the greatest offensive player for New Jersey Devils on the defensive side of things. And obviously Scott Stevens has had his moments because Scott Stevens holds the single season record for most points and most assists in a single season by a New Jersey Devils defenseman. Obviously he once held the goals record, but Dougie Hamilton was able to surpass him this year. But Dougie Hamilton, guys, if he is able to stick around for a longer period of time, because obviously he signed, uh, he signed to a lengthy deal. And if he's able to keep racking up these numbers consistently, and if he's able to be a part of a Devils championship team, or if he's able to win a Norris trophy, whatever the case might be, I don't think it'll be out of the realm of possibility for Dougie Hamilton, once again, to go down as the greatest offensive-minded defenseman in New Jersey Devils history. So when Jack Hughes' time comes to an end, like years and years and years and years from now, and he has his number 86 retired at the Prudential Center alongside with Nico Heischer, uh, don't call me crazy, but I think Dougie Hamilton will be joining them and have his number seven retired at the Prudential Center. But obviously, that's far down the line. That's wishful thinking. But I, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that Dougie Hamilton is having a historic season on the defensive side of things for New Jersey Devils in terms of racking up the offensive contribution. So Dougie Hamilton coming up clutch in overtime for Devils, it just adds to his storybook season even more. And I, I, I have been very impressed with the comeback for Dougie Hamilton dating back to last year when he had an injury-plagued year. And now he's able to help the New Jersey Devils get their first playoff win since 2018. Okay, so let's talk more about the game in general. So P.K. Subban said during the telecast that he wanted to see the New Jersey Devils run a north-south style type of hockey more as opposed to an east-west type of movement. So what does he mean by that? Well, the term north-south hockey simply refers to getting the puck up the ice without significant lateral, so east-west type movement. So the thing about the New Jersey Devils is that they ranked second during the course of the regular season for most goals off the rush because we know that the New Jersey Devils like to get 
off and running. They like to use their their speedy guys to uh, their advantage. It's one of the reasons why Jack Hughes, Nico Keisher, Jesper Bratt, they were kind of struggling in the series to get anything going is because they can't run their normal uh, East-West type of style of hockey. They can't get out and run is because the New York Rangers, they're clogging up those lanes. It's one of the reasons why I got a lot of icing calls in game two early on in the game because the New Jersey Devils, they didn't know how to uh, surpass neutral zone. So they had no choice but to just glide the puck up ahead. And as a result, it just ended in an icing call. So that's what P.K. Subban wanted to see from New Jersey Devils. But the five-on-five actually did get a little bit better for New Jersey Devils. So in the first period, it was nothing spectacular, but I said it was a solid showing from the New Jersey Devils because what I saw was that their, their game planning is there. They're trying to switch it up just a tad bit more. But unfortunately, it just didn't come into fruition, didn't result in any goals. But at the same time, I saw the improvement. So that's what I want to see from the New Jersey Devils, which is how fast can you adapt to a tough-minded team like the New York Rangers because the New York Rangers weren't giving the Devils an inch of breathing room in game one or game two. And the one thing that I was especially proud of the New Jersey Devils for doing was that after Chris Kreider scored on, let's face it, uh, Zibanejad got away with uh, a slashing call on Andre Pilat. Unfortunately, the referees, I guess they didn't see it or they decided not to call it. But as a result, Chris Kreider was able to score once again, and he was a Devils killer. Later on in, in period number two on the power play, Jack Hughes was able to score. And it wasn't like Jack Hughes was on an open breakaway or he was off and running. He was on the near side faceoff circle and he was able to score. And hopefully that's a bit of a confidence booster for Jack Hughes because his first goal in the playoff series was on a penalty shot. So hopefully that gets Jack Hughes going just a tad bit more. So the thing is, like, the, the question is, did the New Jersey Devils improve? I would say obviously they did because – once again, after Kreider scored, we didn't see the New York Rangers just snowball into more goals as we saw in, in game one or game two. We saw the New Jersey Devils. They were able to answer on back. They were able to tie the game. Then in period number three, even though the Devils weren't able to score, we saw them not get all that sloppy. But here's the thing that they have to work on. They have to continue to work on how to generate more shots because late in period number three, and this kind of leaked over into overtime, we saw the New Jersey Devils go like seven or so minutes without getting a shot on Shesterkin. So you have to fix that because thank the Lord, the, the Rangers weren't able to score during that time frame either, because I think if I recall correctly, Truba had a golden opportunity to try to give the Rangers a lead. Unfortunately, it just missed by a couple inches, right? Right now, I'm just trying to remember from the top of my head, but going back to what PK Subban was saying, I liked how the New Jersey Devils, once again, they saw that their normal style of hockey, just trying to work from east to west, wasn't uh, going in their favor. So try to work more north-south and just try to slowly get the puck up the rink and because that's going to be a little more efficient moving forward for the New Jersey Devils. But here's one thing that Pucks and Pitchforks uh, tweeted out during the course of the game. They said, the Devils finally dominated five-on-five play. They had 15 high-danger chances versus just five for the Rangers. Huge discrepancy. Obviously, the Rangers had more on the power play, but it's important for the Devils to dominate even strength. So once again, prior to Dougie Hamilton scoring in overtime, all of the uh, the goals that the New Jersey Devils scored, all three of them, uh, came at some sort of advantage. So obviously, the first one from Jack Hughes, penalty shot. Eric Halla, game two, power play. Then game three, Jack Hughes, power play. So the one thing I want to say is that even though it would be nice to see the New Jersey Devils get more even strength goals, I'm certainly not going to complain because going into the playoffs, I said 
I don't care how you get the goals. You got to generate it somehow, some way, because you can win a game one to nothing. You can win a game two to one. Doesn't matter how you get the goals as long as you get them in some sort of fashion. So, yeah, it's playing with fire a little bit, especially if, if the Devils need some sort of advantage in order to get the goals. But at least they're getting them. At least they're not getting shut out. That's the one thing I can say. So I think this game is a perfect example of just work with what you got. And unfortunately, the Rangers, once again, being a dominant team in the playoffs like they have been doing, they weren't really giving the New Jersey Devils any shot to work with. So Devils have to find other advantages in order to come away victorious, and they were able to do so. Now, in this game, I know I compare the stats at the end, but I was really impressed with the penalty kill for New Jersey Devils because this is the penalty kill that we saw during the course of the regular season because the, the Rangers were 0 for 5 in their power play. So I just want that. I just want people to take note of that, which is seems like the Devils on the PK have improved. And Curtis Lazar, once again, was another X factor because like Christy Flannery said early on, Lazar spent three of his about 10 minutes on the ice killing penalties. So that was kind of a huge task to ask Curtis Lazar. So did the Devils improve? Yeah, they certainly did improve. And I know a lot of people want to see more five on five, even strength goals. But at the same time, don't complain how the New Jersey Devils get the goals. As long as they get them, as long as they come out victorious, we really shouldn't be uh, just nitpicking. Work with what you've been given. And if it's on the power play, if it's on a penalty shot, whatever the case might be, you just got to capitalize on it because I would rather the New Jersey Devils like get no even strength goals, but maybe get a power play goal here and there and then come away with a two nothing victory. I don't think anyone will be complaining in that sort of fashion. So if an opportunity is presented to the Devils, run with it. So, yeah, it would be nice to see more even strength goals from from the Devils. And luckily, Dougie Hamilton was able to do that during the course of OT, because as we know, the overtime rules are a lot uh, different in the playoffs than they are in the regular season, which I would like to see the NHL do more of, but that's a topic for another discussion. But anyway, digressing a little bit, like I said, work with what you've been given. And I was uh, very satisfied with the overall outing for Devils in their first playoff victory once again since 2018. So before we continue and I give the Devils a letter grade, I want to tell you guys about game time because when this episode goes live, the Devils will have another game at Madison Square Garden, and I know the tickets can be a little bit pricey. So let me tell you about game time. So forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, including the first round of the playoffs. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and rows for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So get images of your seat right before you buy them so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. So download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, Guaranteed. Okay, so the big question is, can the New Jersey Devils come back in the series? Can they even it up, go back to the potential center, and basically try to come away with a commanding victory, whatever the case might be, so that way they have a chance to try to win the playoff series? Now, I said it in the previous episode when I was speaking with Dan Rice. The New Jersey Devils are one for seven all time when they drop the first two games of a playoff series. However, they are one and two when they drop the first two games of a playoff series at home. 
So just to give you some hope, if you want a specific stat. So can the Devils come back? Well, game three was a must win for them. And they were able to come away with that victory. And I think Jesper Brad or Lindy Ruff said it post game. I forget who said it, but basically the New Jersey Devils, they dropped their first two games of the year, five to two. People were counting them out. And what happened? The Devils were able to win a lot more, which included going on a 13 game win streak. I believe they went, they went what, like 18 and one during that, that time frame, which I was more impressed with, with the fact that the Devils at one point they had won 19 of their uh, last 20. I was more impressed with that than the 13 game win streak, just to be clear. But uh, I, if I've learned anything during the course of this year, never count out the devil. So I remember Jack Hughes, he was injured. He was kind of behind in, in terms of trying to reach a hundred points. I said, Oh, I, I don't think he's going to break Patrick Eliash's single season points record for New Jersey devils. And I don't even think he's going to reach Taylor Hall's number from when Hall put it up during his our Memorial Trophy campaign back during the 2017-2018 year. But what happened? Jack Hughes, he caught lightning in a bottle. He was able to surpass Taylor Hall. Then he was able to break the record and surpass Patrick Eliash. So a lot of people were doubting Dougie Hamilton. People were saying he wasn't a top 20 defenseman in the league. And Dougie Hamilton took it personal. And he was able to, once again, have a quiet but yet a very historical year in terms of, of Devils records. And then Nico Kiescher, he had a career year. People were saying like, oh, uh, Nico Heischer's not a superstar, yada, yada, yada. And what happened? He also had a career year. B-Tech Vancek, Akira Schmid, people were doubting that tandem. What happened? Well, uh, Akira Schmid is the first rookie Devils goalie to start in a playoff game since Martin Brodeur in 1994. And B-Tech Vancek became the first Devils goalie since Martin Brodeur to reach 30 wins in a single season. So if I've learned anything... Don't count out the Devils, and they did have to win that game because, like they said during the course of the broadcast, if the Devils had lost that game and went down 3 nothing, basically the name of the game for the Devils, don't get swept because they weren't going to come back down 3-0. But even if the Devils do lose in their next matchup, if they go down 3-1, I always say it's the most infamous lead in all of sports, blowing a 3-1 lead. We saw the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They did it a couple years ago. We saw the Cleveland Cavaliers do it to the Golden State Warriors uh, back in the 2016 NBA Finals. and But we don't really hear that much about teams coming back from a 3-0 deficit. Like the sport of baseball, it's been around for like years and years and years, decades and decades and decades, and lots of playoff series, but there's only been one team in its history that's come back down 3 nothing. And that was the, what, the Boston Red Sox when they won the World Series back in 2004. And then in the sport of hockey, the last team to come back down 3 nothing was the L.A. Kings in the playoffs when they took on the San Jose Sharks nearly 10 years ago. So I'm glad that the New Jersey Devils were able to come away and win game three because that was big for them. So I think the New Jersey Devils have given themselves a chance. And like I said, if they lose the next game, they go down 3-1, who knows? Maybe we'll be talking about the New Jersey Devils as being the next team to overcome a 3-1 deficit. I don't, I don't really know, but... I'm just glad that they're giving themselves a chance. That's all I can say. The Devils are giving themselves a chance to make this series competitive. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited for the game tonight. And obviously, I'll have it for you here at Locked on Devils. But like I do with every post-game recap, let's compare the stats. And then I'll give the Devils a letter grade. So shots on goal uh, differential, 36 to 28 in favor of the Rangers. Face-off percentage, 60% in favor of the Rangers, 40% in favor of the Devils. Power play, Devils were one for three, thanks to Jack Hughes. Rangers 0 for 5. Penalty kill doing wonder, wonders for the Devils in this matchup. 
hits 31 to 23 in favor of the Devils, blocks 19 to 17 in favor of the Rangers, giveaways. Rangers led that department 19 to 15. So if I had to give this game a letter grade for Devils, I'm going to say B plus because they improved. They were able to shut the door down on the Rangers. They didn't let that Chris Kreider controversial goal get to them because like I said, maybe a slashing call should have been assessed as the Banajed, but what can you do? Devils were able to tie it up uh, later on in that period. Thanks to Jack Hughes and uh, Akira Schmidt came up clutch. Curtis Lazar was able to play some meaningful uh, minutes. So yeah, B plus for Devils wasn't perfect. Wasn't all that spectacular, but they got the job done. They got the playoff win and now they're back in this series and they're giving themselves a chance. So let me know what you guys think. What did you think about some players that stepped up big for New Jersey Devils? Did I miss a key player? And what are your thoughts going forward for the Devils in this playoff series? Do they have a chance once again? So as for this episode, that's all the time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Game four. Can the Devils do what the Rangers did, which is swipe two games on the road? We'll see. The Devils are actually really good on the road. They, I think they had the second best road record in the entire NHL during the course of regular season. So we'll see what happens. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.